welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, we're going to be covering a lot of new things. We're going to be shifting from Antonio Gutierrez to other people who say big things. We're going to be shifting from space news to bird news. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about an election that is actually a democracy, but maybe that's questionable. Maybe it's just one one group of people that always win. It's stand upbeat this week. Mm-hmm. Kaylee, what do you think about all that stuff? Oh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I feel like, you know, we've been a little bit out of the election game. We're getting we're getting back in there looking what uh, looking at what elections look like in this current uh, world because they're happening. Yeah. Uh, Singapore is a pretty we're the, so the country we're talking about this week is Singapore for the election portion. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> they're technology heavy country, mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff and I was looking at a thing. People are like, why do we still vote with paper ballots? Uh, yeah. Why can't we just do this <laughs> like from afar? Like we have all this technology here. What's up with that? Uh, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a little bit. But Kaylee, how are you? You're doing well, I presume? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we're in the middle of summer. Uh, things in New Brunswick are pretty free. Uh, we just recently got uh, this is an interesting it's not my good news, but I think it is good news. Uh, we get a we've got a rebate for if we go traveling in New Brunswick now. So if a oh, local wow. New Brunswicker goes to stay somewhere else and is a tourist in their own province, uh, we get I think it's like up to a thousand dollars in rebate. Whoa, <laughs> what? That's or like a twenty percent rebate <laughs> awesome. up to, uh, up to a thousand dollars. I think yeah. Oh, so if you drop like five k, yeah, in Moncton, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get a thousand dollars back. Cool. Yes. This is my rough understanding of it. All I know is I got to keep my receipts uh, from like my <laughs> camping trips now. But it's like pretty exciting. It's like, can a, you take like multiple trips over a long time? I think so. That is my understanding. But I didn't read about it for good news, so I don't actually like <laughs> know as much <laughs> as I should. Uh, but I thought it was like it might be interesting to bring up uh, when you asked about how I was doing because I think it's like an interesting like government incentivizing action based on uh, taxation and rebates cool that's mm-hmm. great giving the people the money that they want so that yes. they can give it to people nearby them who def- desperately want that money too <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah excellent and the weather is great in new brunswick uh, yeah i mean it's pretty good last week was rainy but we're, we're on the up and up now what about you <sighs> how's how's things it's been so sunny but today there was rain uh, but we need it, you know. Uh, yeah. That's what that's what people always say. Oh, we need the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, every time it's the middle of summer and it rains because there's been like no rain for like multiple weeks here. Mm. And then today there was like some some showers. Oh, that's good. Recently, there's mostly been just lightning with no rain at all, uh, which wow. is really exciting. Did it get like that weird yellow hue? Like, did the sky uh, turn a weird yellow color? Uh, yeah, there were some, like, greenish-looking skies, some orangish-looking skies. Maybe we should do a Space News on that sometime. Uh, uh, that would be interesting. I've wondered about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was some... But there was, like... There's either no rain at all or just torrential downpours uh, oh. around here. Not not unlike Singapore. <laughs> just <laughs> wild, wild torrential downpours. Um, but much, much less so here. Should we start like uh, before we like talk about the election? Should we always do like a weather check and just like give it the day of weather update on the location? Uh oh, in like in Singapore right now, mm-hmm. or like because I guess normally just Singapore generally. election has has already happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but normally it's going to happen in like a week. So there's like a pretty good like weather forecast going forward. So maybe we could talk about the weather <laughs> just forecast for the day of the election when mm-hmm. we're recording like a week before it happens. Yeah. Um, we're, 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 we're on track, right? For this episode so far, I believe. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, we've hit nothing <laughs> that we said we would talk about, but I think that this is, look, I don't get to see you as often anymore. You're yeah, farther but, away. So the thing is, is that I have a sheet of paper that I normally take notes on pre-show uh, and that sheet of paper is completely blank right now. <laughs> I didn't write down what we're going to talk about at all. Um, oh, okay. But let's dive into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Not that everything we've said so far is not good news. Uh, more or less it is. But yes. we're going to keep the train rolling with some prepared good news. Yes. What the you got, good Kayla? news I researched in theory. Um, okay. So uh, this is, I thought this was kind of a cool story because we have talked about Columbia before. Uh, but the the story I read says uh, the title was Columbia ex gorillas turn into citizen scientists using their knowledge of the jungle to protect biodiversity. In 2016, which we talked about, the uh, the Revolutionary Armed Forces in Colombia signed a peace agreement, and so that meant that a lot of the the so the abbreviation for the, the name is FARC. A lot of the FARC gorillas that had been in the the jungles of Colombia for 50 years. Uh, were then coming out of it and it became safe for scientists uh, or safer for scientists to explore uh, what some would say is one of the most biodiverse locations in the world that had been really largely underexplored uh, as a result of, of the inhabitants. Uh, there is now a group of researchers from the United Kingdom, Australia, and then um, some Colombian scientific institutions that are training ex-gorillas to study Colombia's plants and animals. uh, And so far to date, they've actually collected about 100 previously unknown species. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of cool. This is straight up good news. Yeah. You're rocking good news this week. Yeah. (laughs) It was like a really cool story. Yeah. The idea was that like this would be a really good opportunity to take uh like create post-conflict employment um for gorillas in an area that they would actually be very comfortable and specialize in um yeah so they're using an iNaturalist I don't know if you've heard about it but it's an app used by citizen scientists around the globe that allows naturalists to document their country's biodiversity uh in and like inventory it and help to uh yeah, help to attract potential ecotourists um, by like highlighting what exists there as well. So they're they're they've conducted uh, their first workshop in March last March, um, and they're yeah they're doing pretty well. I guess a hundred they've identified more than one hundred twenty plants and, and animal species, and then these have been uploaded. If you're interested, to the iNaturalist app. Cool. But that's my good news. Yeah, that is good news. I'm yeah. really. Imp- I think that's the best news that you've presented for good news yeah. so far. They're like it, some at some point in the article I read. They were like biodiversity include encouraging reconciliation, which I thought was an interesting wow. sentence that that's isn't like, said often. Yeah, l- like pretty much the only things that you talk to me about all at once. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's good. I'm impressed. <laughs> all and right, so what, good- what do you got? Yeah. Okay, so you're like, oh, we found 100 new species. Well, what about 60 million people having enough food? Oh, that's what about that for news? Exciting, yeah. I'm excited that they do. There was a UN report released mm-hmm. um, about uh, malnourished and undernourished people around the world uh, mm-hmm. that said that in India, 
there are now 60 million fewer undernourished people than there were last year. Oh, that's which is a huge number. Good, interesting. Yeah, uh, because India's just generally been um, putting a bunch of money into uh, infrastructure, education, um, the electrical grid, all these things for like you know over a decade now and mm-hmm, a lot yeah. of this stuff is coming to coming to fruition at this point um and just having food security and security of people to be able to move around have jobs have more money mm. and move crops around and everything so there's just that's that's just it that's just, it's just the fact that 60 million people have more food or they have enough food now yeah than, so it's like uh than previously is it like a, it's like a, it's like a payoff n- number. Like it's the number that like you get from like, we invested in this and we kept doing it. And then now here we are yeah, uh, with 60 million people. Yeah. You know, there's some other things in the report that are not so, that are not so exciting, uh, but I'm going <laughs> to stick with this number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, optimism, the optimistic side of things is important. It's, it's it can get overshadowed, but I think it's what, you know, what we're all working towards. Yeah, like uh, in the in the entire country, um, from uh, from like the mid two thousands to uh, the late twenty tens in India, mm-hmm. the uh, number of malnourished people dropped from over twenty percent to mid teens percent. Oh, wow. so that's a lot of people for India, where yes. it's like a billion people living there. So we're okay. uh, we're making headway. Nice. Um, also, a uh, number of adults uh, that are uh, obese is increasing in india but it just seems like more people have more food so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean look whatever happens happens yeah it's just it's it's straight up good news let's not yeah let's not think too much uh but that's the good news we got people with jobs uh in the rainforest finding hundreds of new species uh we got people having enough food in india probably also being scientists yeah if enough, if enough people in if if people more people in India have a lot to eat, then a lot more people in the world have a lot to eat because they have so many people. Like it's the biggest, it's one of the biggest countries in the world, so it's a big deal. Yeah. All right, that's all the good news we have. Let's go. I mean, let's just go to the uh, <laughs> let's just go to the normal news. Yeah, the normal news. I yeah, I'm not sure. I, Singapore isn't. Um, it's not full of bad news. It's it's sort of medium. No, it's yeah, exactly. It's I think um, pretty normal. As far as elections go, that we cover, mm-hmm. especially, yes, um, not a bad, not a bad situation going on. Singapore, rich country, amazing internet speeds, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> low infant mortality rate, great GDP per capita. Um, as we were saying earlier, beautiful rain, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> torrential downpours <laughs> in in uh, Southeast Asia. It's it's like a city state kind of place, yeah. Uh, you can cross the whole country and stay in the same city in, in a bus uh, in a day. Um, and they were having an election. There's only fewer than 6 million people that live there. Mm-hmm. And so you think, hey, if there's a pandemic happening, uh, but we have to run a national election, it's probably best to try to run one in that's pretty much a municipal election. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially... it. I mean, the other side is that they did have sort of one of the worst outbreaks in Southeast Asia. So they, they, they were dealing with it, but they seem to, they've really like used that sort of technology side that they're very proud of and, and the infrastructure that they have um, to sort of start to get that under control. I think they've had very few deaths 
but they did have quite the outbreak, I think, per capita. Yeah, but they've got it mostly under control mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, they're doing well. And so they were like, you know what? We don't have to actually call this election for a while. Yes. Um, they had until like next year to actually like finally call the election. Mm-hmm. But they were like, hey, let's go ahead with it. Yeah. We've had pretty much the same ruling power for what, about 70 years now? <laughs> um, yeah. So there was a uh, there was there was a, a quite a sense of urgency there <laughs> that there might be some change. Uh, they wanted to take advantage of that. Yeah. We'll dive into this. This is uh, this is kind of complicated, but yeah, they did decide to call the election early. the The logic is reasonable. The idea that if you waited until April, like of next year, the situation might be much worse. So you might as well do it while you have it under control. But then the mm-hmm. other side of that logic is this party has been in power for a very long time, and governments uh, handling crises often get reelected among other factors like mm-hmm. i think uh serbia has had an election and somewhere else had an election uh and it is slipping my mind at the moment but the two major other major countries have they've also had elections and have elected the same government i think poland also had an election at recently um and re-elected the same government now they all have different sorts of democracies and different levels of democracy but it points to a trend we already know exists that if shit's on fire, you might elect the same person again. <laughs> you could you could quote you on that, right? We would make a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be the next uh, probably with politics uh, swag merch drop. Uh, okay, so basically Singapore uh, since 1959, since they gained independence, mm-hmm. uh, the People's Action Party has been in power. Yes, um, and now for the 15th consecutive term. They won mm-hmm. again. Their uh, president, Lee Sin Lung, uh, it was the incumbent president. Uh, he's been the leader since 2004 and not a whole lot changed. But there was a, mu- there was a much smaller uh, percentage of total popular vote mm-hmm. for um, the People's Action Party, even though their seats stayed the exact same because they follow a ridiculous electoral system <laughs> known as first past the post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was confused, like, because they kept saying that um, voting turnout was kind of low this year. And I was like, oh, it was like 95% or something. But I guess voting is mandatory in Singapore for everybody 21 and older. So I guess that that's probably why it was notably low, I guess. But also there were there were certain like if you were COVID positive, Mm. because you had to go, you have to vote in person as well. There's no write-in votes. There's no electronic voting. There's none of this. And so if you were COVID positive, you just were not allowed to go vote. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, and if you, if you were like isolating, you, they would bring a polling booth or box to your house. But yeah, they, they estimate, or the number that I found said about 350 people who were quarantined um, did not vote because they were not allowed to leave. The sort of conversation around then around that was that like there is a greater good, and so your individual right is overridden by um, your individual right to vote is overridden by the rights of the country. Which I think we can we can kind of get we I think we will get into a little bit about how uh, we and we hinted at it that that for such a tech have like a country that prides itself on how it it's managed COVID using technology. It has not really translated that technology into adapting its electoral response to, uh, to the pandemic. It's kind of wild that there's no 
like mail voting. No. Like mail in voting, ballots at all, uh, which are just kind of a mainstay in most places around mm-hmm. the world, right? Yeah. Like if you're just out of the country or if you're a citizen living uh, somewhere else for work or something, mm-hmm. ba- or if you're on military service and you're deployed somewhere, there are a ton of reasons why you can't make it exactly to a polling booth in your very small country yeah. <laughs> uh, on one day. And I mean, people were, uh, there were a number of people who were pretty upset about the mm-hmm. fact that um, they were not allowed to vote, you know, rightfully so, mm-hmm. I think. Um, even though it's a real, it's a really small group of people that wouldn't be able to vote. And like, statistically, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. But I was seeing, I watched this one interview with this one young woman and she's like, this would have been my first mm-hmm. chance to get to vote. And they're like, well, you can vote again in, you know, five years. Like, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, I have COVID yeah. though. Like, you're literally saying like somebody who is sick, I'm not allowed to vote because I'm just going to make it. Yeah. I guess they're just assuming and I'll be fine in five years to vote. And, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I've never seen something like that. Yeah. And I also think like, can I putting myself in this own co- like imagine my government saying, "Well, you didn't get to vote this one. Try again next time." Like, no, I I get to participate. I'm a citizen of this country who wants to participate in the governing process. That this is my one chance I get to do it every five years. Um, it it does. It seems like I think that this. So you you were saying like yeah, it's a non significant amount of the population, but it's also very specific about what portion of the population it, it's going to be it's the young a lot of in terms of uh i think especially when you look at uh voting overseas that's going to be a lot of the younger population in singapore that um is away for schooling or away on travels or whatever it is that has brought them away but it's going to be the younger group which notably um is the generation that um or is is the age group that is calling for more robust opposition to the party that has always been in power historically and and uh sort of that was the result of this election that's what a lot of uh you know people looking at the election were saying is that that people were calling for more opposition but it was the younger generation that was really starting to tilt the scales in that so you can see how there's an advantage to the current Singapore government government of Singapore saying well we're there, as as one of them, I, I I read like a quote from one of them. Uh, it was uh, that there's there's something to the manual experience of voting that is sacred, and I think that sacredness is yeah. keeping this particular power that is power that is in power that's still there, party that's still in power there. Yeah, and it's kind of it's really interesting because it in general seems, and I just want to correct myself. Earlier, I called uh, Mr. Lung there president but he is in fact their prime minister oh, yes yeah <laughs> um but it's really wild that since 1959 they've had this same um party in leadership mm-hmm. um with only a handful of leaders since 1959 right there's only been like i think five different prime ministers and d- despite that there seems to be a pretty healthy democracy i mean putting aside that they're taking 350 covid patients saying you just can't vote um other it in general it looks like there's pretty there's a pretty free process that goes on Mm. for voting right like if you can make it to a voting booth you can pretty much vote 
you know, 40% of the country voted for opposition parties Mm -hmm. uh, uh, pretty much during this election. And so it seems like it's just this same party that just keeps winning and winning and winning and winning, despite some um, decreasing support this time around. But it's just really interesting to see this, like what looks to be a pretty healthy democratic process happening Mm -hmm. um, at the same time to just have this like hegemony of power (laughs) uh, from the people's action party since the fifties. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's about, it seems like we've, and we've seen it in other countries with less healthy democracies as well is that if the rules are sort of tilted in one way, then it seems more valuable to put your vote one way. Or if by and large it is working for you um, and you know that it'll, you know, mostly sort of continue to work for you and it's not much use to vote for somebody else, then I guess why, why do you to a certain extent? Yeah. And, and so, and like, again, like uh, I think I read somewhere that Singapore is, ranked 154th in terms of freedom of the press which is not a not a high ranking um because most of their major newspapers are tilted most of their major media outlets are tilted very strongly in favor of the government like they they have all the classic symptoms of a a country who has had somebody in power for a long time and would like to stay in power um that exist um but they also I think the thing to take out of this election where, I mean, despite, uh, it doesn't look significant that they lost 10 seats, um, but it is, it's, that's the most that they've really lost, I think almost ever. Um, and, and this is also during a crisis period when, again, as earlier we talked, I'm, I said, you know, when, when shit's on fire, you tend to go with the same guy, but, and so so really many people thought it was going to be a sweep. There would be no opposition at all. And then yeah. now there is uh, an opposition so much so that for the first time ever, the, uh, their, the people's action party are recognizing an opposition, official opposition and providing them staff and, and money in order to appropriately be the opposition. Um, so it, it's, it's pretty, that's significant. Um, it doesn't mean that, Singapore will go forward and have a robust democracy, uh, but it means that there's an opening, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of interesting because of like it's it's just like so many things that seem like opposites. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like they have like pretty decent democracy, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's the same people who have been in power forever. They have their really high uh, de- development index, mm-hmm. right? So they're a very developed country. People who want to do things can do things, but also despite being extremely rich and having great development in the country, there's also still very high income inequality. And so it's just a bunch of things that you don't really tend to see in the same place all happening at the Mm -hmm. same time. Yeah. Um, It's kind of just like this, just because there's so much money and it's such a small place and everything is just kind of like compact. I don't know. There's less a lot of interesting things that can happen. Um, but I don't know how much um, you've, I don't know, heard about like the ideas of like tight versus loose um, societies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and where like kind of like just following the rules for the sake of following the rules or having like traditions that you follow versus not liking being told what to do. And so like in Canada, we're, we're a reasonably loose society. Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of, 
individualistic. We like to do our own thing. Um, we, if there's a rule that we don't like, we won't follow it in general as, as a people. Um, and there are some problems to that, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, but then kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum is Singapore, which is a super tight society, right? Like they have like the chewing gum laws, right? Where mm-hmm. like you can't chew gum in the country because you'll spit it on the ground. <laughs> uh, and like all, and stuff like this, where it's just like a lot of, it's just kind of the way that they live. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're all going to decide that these things will just be better mm-hmm. if we give up certain things. And so this kind of idea of saying, Hey, there's 350 people with COVID that's a statistically insignificant number of people, whatever you just can't vote. It That's just the way mm-hmm. it is. And it's like, this is the party that's been running and, and everything's going well. Uh, and so that's just the way it is. So we're just going to keep it going. And it's just like the way that different societies. And so that has a ton of benefits to it as well, right? Like as a society and just like people getting along and things like moving well. Um, but then also if you want to stick out and vote despite having COVID, <laughs> then you know, too bad. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. And, and I think also another sort of thing that contributes to that as well. And, um, it's not the same, but it, it's very similar is that if, if, if the government provides for the right people and it keeps things safe and stable and uh, beneficial to you, um, then you're not as likely to risk the change, right? So it, it has provided the stability. It is benefiting the right people. Um, most uh, most sing- people in Singapore are experiencing the these benefits of a of a, a country that has invested in infrastructure and is in, you know is able to respond to the COVID crisis very well um, and all those sorts of things. So why would you rock the boat? Oh, but then you see the you see in this election sort of the coming up of like so it's it's the part the party in power now deals very well with what you might call pocketbook issues like it is not hurting anybody's who who can vote's pocketbook but then in this election you started to see a conversation about um about the rights of of migrant workers which is a huge population of migrant workers um who were disproportionately affected by covid um and it started to open up a conversation about the racial inequities that exist in the majority chinese or i think ethnic chinese uh population um and also that singapore uh uh, has like a rule where you, uh, a law, not a rule, a law that you can't. Uh, it's under racial harmony laws, uh, where you can't stoke religious or racial enmity, or you could spend three years in jail. Um, and that meant that one of the candidates in this election, uh, Rahisa Khan, uh, a woman running for the Workers' Party, um, who who made a comment on Facebook uh, about uh, these inequities is now being was reported to the police and is now under investigation um and that allowed the people the the party in power to say well look at the these people stoking inequities and uh and and causing trouble uh don't vote for her and then in, in and that i think has been seen to work in the past for a change it didn't work this time she did win but she's still under investigation by the police so uh, I guess the story's not over. <laughs> yeah, it's just 
I don't know. There's so many things that seem like opposites mm-hmm. going on in Singapore, like how, um, like they're like the corruption in government in Singapore mm-hmm. is one of the lowest in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like it's an extremely non-corrupt government yet. It's basic, basically an authoritarian government, yeah. which just seems like it doesn't make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, you have to get along and you have to like it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's wild yeah. reading about Singapore. I, I, it's just a completely different like way of like the Singapore model. Yeah. Right. Of, a, of government and society is just so different, but so interesting mm-hmm. and how well it does some things and how poorly mm-hmm. it does other things. Yeah. And I think to how things that, how it's important to question things that even on their face sound good. Like they recently also have a fake news law that, uh, you know, sounds like it's in maybe a, a, an important step we're not able to reach here. But if you really look into it, like how much overreach of power, how does that affect the individual uh, ability to have freedom of expression? Um, they have, you know, many uh, campaigning uh, a very short like campaigning period um and w- here where we have such a long or well canada has sort of a medium one but in the united states for example where they have a very long one and they would say we should go much shorter like what are the trade-offs to you know sort of the other end of the spectrum the extreme that we are now we're talking about um and what is yeah what are the consequences of of that sort of thing i guess yeah there's a super short campaigning window and i think that lends itself to a super short coverage on probably about politics. <laughs> I think we can wrap up the Singapore election. Um, it's half as long, twice as bright. Uh, and then they get back to running the government and you do your stuff and you get along mm-hmm. and hopefully things work for you. Uh, and if they don't, don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And, and it, I think it's, a, it's an interesting country. We should keep watching it because maybe this means that the next election They'll talk about even more hard issues. Could be very interesting in the Singapore context, mm-hmm. given like a real campaigning term. Yeah. And like actually having an opposition party now uh, to bring up some of these things, given the given the climate. Um, but never mind uh, potential opposition bringing things up in Singapore. Mm-hmm. What are what is i guess not even i was gonna say what is antonio gutierrez bringing up (laughs) worldwide right now but we're not talking about antonio this week we're talking about somebody who's doing something else other than what antonio's been doing every single day for (laughs) for like half a year now so yeah let's get let's get somebody else's perspective yeah so i guess there's a few big anniversaries coming up for the un um but the one that i thought would be interesting um, and is probably the uh, the least good news thing I'm going to say, it is in fact bad news, was that it's 75 years since the Trinity tests in New Mexico, uh, so uh, in 1945, which was uh, the testing of nuclear weapons. It's sort of the commencement of that. It would be the prelude to uh, the two explosions um, in, in during the Second World War in Japan. Um, and the UN is highlighting, um, the disproportionate, um, impact of nuclear testing on indigenous, uh, peoples. Um, it, 
and 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 the environmental injustice that has sort of contu- continued to uh, exist as a result of nuclear testing since that day. Um, so they released a report uh, uh, on it and and to to mark the anniversary, which was uh, July sixteenth. Yeah. So basically, uh, some interesting things that they highlighted is that like between nineteen forty six and fifty eight, they there were sixty seven nuclear bombs detonated on the Marshall Islands, which is the equivalent to one point five Hiroshima sized explosions every day for twelve years. Um, and then in French Polynesia, uh, even more significant, well, it's all significant at this point, but there were over 200 nuclear tests, tests conducted in a 30 year period, uh, between 1966 and 1996. Um, and then, and they sort of highlight the way that it, it, it's, it's in the recent past, but also, um, tribes, uh, in, in, uh, North American, Native American tribes, have been the recipients of a lot of radioactive soil and are now predicted to experience much higher rates of cancer uh, into the foreseeable future. And Greenland has discovered uh, radioactive waste uh, from left by the U.S. military that's like impacting them as a result of the melt in the Arctic. Um, so it's a call. The UN, the they they've released this uh, sort of marking of this anniversary and a call to the uh, a call to further nuclear disarmament and acknowledgement of its environmental uh, disproportionate environmental impact. I think that we should include. I didn't know that you were going to talk about this. Oh, okay. But I think that we should include a uh, YouTube video. Yeah. In the newsletter. Sure. Uh, which is really interesting, or people could just go look it up, which is um, a time-lapse video of every nuclear explosion since 1945. Oh, wow. And it's just like a map of the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so they show, like, the first few, they're kind of, like, slow, like red dots going off. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, halfway through the video, uh, there's just, like, red dots going off, like, constantly like in different locations all over the world. And it's really, really wild to see, like, because generally we talk about the devastating impacts of the use of nuclear weapons in wartime. Mm -hmm. Um, And nobody really talks about where you had to build these things or test these things. Yeah. Um, And it's a really eye-opening thing to see how many times these types of weapons were actually detonated Mm -hmm. on Earth. Yeah. Um, and I think it might put into perspective, uh, like what you said, like, you know, a one, 1. 1.5 Hiroshima explosions every day for like 12 years. It's a really, it's a really eye-opening video from what I saw. And especially because you get to see like the regions in the world yeah. in which these things were tested. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a cool video, but also like sobering. Yeah. And it, it's really part of a broad, broader, like environmental justice challenges is we don't western countries particularly we don't do this in our own backyard <laughs> we do it and we do it in somebody else's backyard who can't complain about it um and and whilst it's true it's particularly devastating and true with nuclear weapons it's uh, it's true for a lot of uh waste uh disposal um and and the impacts of other environmentally um uh, damaging events yeah so yeah that wasn't my good news didn't go to the beginning if you wanted for that <laughs> if you wanted that <laughs> hey that's that's fair that's fair 
And so that that was not Antonio Gutierrez. That was just the UN mm-hmm. as the monolithic uh, light blue group that they are. But yeah, it was it was the UN um, special rapporteur rapporteur on toxics, uh, a specialist for everything, and that's uh, who did this. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you to the uh, UN specialist mm-hmm. for toxics. Way to go. Highlighting important issues. So where's that space news? Take us to space. It's safer there. Space news. <laughs> uh, so we're not going to space this week, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, we're staying uh, on Earth. Uh, and we're actually staying in Canada. Hmm. And we're talking about things changing, um, but staying the same. Yeah. And so this week, this episode, we're talking about the white-throated sparrow. Okay. And the small noises they make. So basically going back to like 1990, mm-hmm. right? There's these two, uh, these two scientists, mm-hmm. um, Ken Otter uh, and his friend. They're both, uh, they're like ornithology type, type guys, right? They study birds. Uh, they're walking around. Is his You're last name Otter? Like O T T E R? And he went into birds? Yes, O T T E R. Oh, that seems yeah. like a lost opportunity. Carry on, sorry. <laughs> so, so uh, him and his friend are walking around uh, British Columbia, and his friend is like, hey, Ken, or maybe Dr. Otter at this point, <laughs> who knows? Uh, he's like, your birds sound weird here. I know what white-throated sparrows should sound like because I'm a birder. <laughs> and and Dr. Otter's like, I'm a birder as well. And I uh, I agree that these birds sound weird uh, in northern British Columbia. Um, so this is back in 1990. And now 30 years on, mm-hmm. it turns out that white-throated sparrows all across Canada and the United States, yeah. as, far as, as far east as Quebec, wow. now have the same new song Mm -hmm. which is like a really normally birds right Mm -hmm. birds get they learn a song early in their life and the better they can perfectly recreate that song Mm -hmm. the better they do uh to reproduce right but for some reason these guys start doing this new song so the original song had like two chirps Mm -hmm. at the end and the new song has uh three chirps or no the, the original one had three chirps and the new one has two chirps. Okay. So they just stopped. They just, they totally changed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like every year you can see that new people across Canada are recording this bird making this different chirping noise. So again, we got this citizen science. Okay. On, nice. Right? Like that you were talking about in Colombia. Yeah. Yeah. So people have been recording this and then they upload these to um, like repositories. Um, and then you can like hear these different like bird calls mm-hmm. and how they change over time across the country. Now, the question is, how does the bird call get transferred? Yeah. Because these birds don't migrate east to west in Canada. Okay. But but somehow somehow it's and and just like one bird going across is not enough. But it turns out that they migrate south mm, okay. from Canada to the United States. And when they get there, they kind of intermingle and have kind of like larger like roosting areas where they where they do mingle and then they go back up. So we get young birds mm-hmm. migrating south and then 
older birds that already have this new song that they've developed that they are like super hip on <laughs> uh, also go down south. Um, and as you do when you take a trip to the southern United States, I guess you just kind of sit around yeah. and sing together, light a fire. Yeah. Uh, and then they go back to Canada. And for some reason, these ladybirds totally dig this new song, man. <laughs> well, it's something new, you know. <laughs> We've heard the same thing for a while. Yeah. It's just like there's no there's there's nothing other than maybe there's like some creativity that they really admire in these in these new huh. birds, even though it's stolen. Yeah. But hey, that's the best kind of creativity, right? <laughs> yeah, we didn't get a good, it. Or, a good artist borrows, a great artist steals, and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the white throated sparrow. Uh, and so they've moved all the way across Canada now, and it's still moving east, mm-hmm. um, but it's now more than two thousand miles away from where it originated. Wow. Uh, and they're doing this new these new these new tweety songs yeah i guess that uh i guess i can't wait to hear the 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 song taking over the uh, birds bird charts um in new brunswick i hope it gets that far <laughs> i mean i don't i don't know if it will I, we're usually a bit behind anyway but so it we know for sure that it we were pretty sure it originated in bc like this isn't like american content this is no this is this is fit for the cbc yeah because that's good i uh we have those uh, broadcasting rules. Exactly. There are recordings uh, from like Prince George, mm-hmm. British Columbia, where they have the new doublet recording that happened in Prince George and every other recording mm-hmm. um, in pre-2000 is the triplet recording. Okay. And then in between 2000 and 2004, there's kind of like a region around Prince George where it's just kind of naturally spreading out. And then it cro- it jumps across the Rockies, oh. uh, and it jumps across the Rockies because they migrated, Did and then they migrated, yeah, and then they when they came back yeah. up north, mm-hmm. they were they were dispersed. What? And then it starts, but there's still populations in like California that were using the old call uh, in like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. and then by now, uh, even birds down south that don't migrate are getting the call as well. So like since 2015 all the recordings in California mm-hmm. and in eastern uh, or central United States and Canada are all the new call. Oh. But the east coast seems very stubborn in this regard. Oh, interesting. And the birds aren't are not changing. Well, yeah. We prefer There's the great big sea. Quebec language laws yeah. are keeping <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, can they do it in French and English cuz that's kind of a requirement here, but we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but this is a cool. Uh, they got the they got the citizen science. They yeah. got the the the, the shifting uh, things going on. I don't know. There's probably some like climate thing that they're going to talk about <laughs> eventually with this. But it's cool. Both songs sound good. I'm. Are you gonna? I uh, prefer the old one. Yeah. I'm gonna put my vote in that. Maybe we can do an Instagram poll after the episode yeah. comes out. You're gonna. Are you gonna play? One. You are gonna play the sounds for us, right? Yeah, I'll play uh, I'll play the 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 old song right now. Mm-hmm. And then I'll play the new song right now. <laughs> Digging it. <laughs> I don't I don't know what my opinion is. Uh, I'll I'll vote in the poll <laughs> that we make. Excellent. Uh, and with that, uh, hopefully 
Uh, everybody listening to this helps spread uh, the good news of probably about politics mm-hmm. from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast, or I guess kind of opposite to yeah, that, if, I think, I the mean, way that our yeah. listeners are spread out. I'd be happy for you to go south with it as well. Like, you know. Exactly. That's what you need. Go down south, have a little party, put us on a on a Bluetooth speaker <laughs> by the pool. Uh <laughs> People love that. Yeah, I love a podcast. Get that app that lets all the phones connect so that all (laughs) the phones can play it at the same time. Yeah. That's a hit. At least, and you know what? If you do that, it'll probably count as multiple plays as well at the same time. So that's ideal. We do love that. (laughs) If you can listen to us multiple times. On different devices. And when you listen on different devices, make sure to listen on different platforms. And like and rate and review the pod. Subscribe to the pod. Send it to your friends uh and while you're at it maybe send them to our twitter account at prob politics mm-hmm. uh send them to our instagram at prob politics yes. uh and from there you can get links to the website that i'm not going to try yeah. to say i mean nobody's ever yelling at us on social media i feel like people yell at people on social media and we never get yelled at and i want you to come do that yeah tell us <laughs> tell us what we're wrong about yeah tell us <laughs> about what we got wrong about birds or uh i don't know nuclear testing <laughs> All right, go do that right now uh, because this episode's done. Thank you for listening to Probably About Politics. We love every last one. Still love you, yes. (laughs) 